Hello, this isn't technically the intro. This is the presenting sponsor because the intro is coming up later because I recorded it in the interview and I wasn't going to say who that interview's with, but I just realized now that it's probably the title of the podcast you clicked on. So Mina Kimes is coming up in a sec, just like when we did this with Michael Jr. I didn't want to interrupt her with an ad. So we're going to start off the podcast with that and then we will get right into a pretty long and I think a pretty interesting conversation with Mina Kimes. I'm as I felt last time with Golik, like this, I'm very glad this conversation happened and I'm excited to share it with you. Okay, let's bring in Mina. Hello, Butternut Squashes. Welcome to Sports, the podcast that turns the entirety of sports into a question and then attempts to answer it. I'm Katie Nolan. Uh, this is Mina Kimes. Mina Kimes is here because it's Thursday and I have a guest. Hello, Mina Kimes. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited uh, because you're very busy, especially right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been teasing this episode uh, to our listeners ever since I launched this, which was, what, two weeks ago? The second interview podcast. It was like, yeah, obviously we're going to get Mina eventually, but <laughs> uh, probably not right away. And then um, you're here. I'm here. And I, I assumed you wanted to break down the championship games, the matchups, the statistical. Right. I got all my notes. I'm ready to do this. Cool. And we can do that <laughs> if you want to. Um, the beauty of this weird thing that I don't know what it is yet is I've just been using it to have conversations with people that I've met in this job that I know I like Ooh. about like why I like them. And like... You know, especially with quarantine and this whole pandemic. I don't know if you've heard. It's happening still. I think we've all spent a lot of time alone. And a lot of people have probably learned a lot. And so if the smart people that I like have learned anything, I think it might be valuable to share that kind of stuff. So that's the goal. And that's mostly what we're going to talk about. Um, And I'm just going to start because it's fresh in my mind uh, with Halt and Catch Fire. Which is it. A show that you recommended, or I had seen you talk about before, you were one of a couple people that in my mind was like, okay, this person keeps telling you, like the universe telling you to watch this show. And then when I finally had time to, and I did, it feels super dramatic, but I feel like it might have changed my life. (laughs) And so I like texted you about it being like, I love this show. And you were like, just wait, you don't even know yet. (laughs) Uh, And you were right all the time, as you always are. But I'm, I just finished the finale because I told you that I would before we watched this. I mean, before we filmed this, recorded this, whatever. And I just finished it. And I called Ashley crying in the middle of it and FaceTimed her for a scene because I was like, I need you to know that this is you and the other woman is me. Um, it was so good. I don't know where to start, but like, how did you find it and come across it? And what was your experience with it? Because, man, I love this show. So my husband and I watched it at the beginning of quarantine, which is almost a year ago. Oh, my God. In my head, you watched this years ago. I know. Um, We were. So, yeah, it was early on. And I, I can tell you exactly how I found it, because I was looking at a list of like the best hundred shows ever and just going through them and. Some of them from like, who though? According to whom? I think it was like Rolling Stone or something. That's, all right. Um, yeah, you know, just trying to contribute to my relationship by looking at a list on the internet, and that's aren't we all? All I can do. So, and then the, you know, some of them I was like, I don't want to watch The Sopranos, which I've never seen. 
someone on the internet's about to yell at me just for saying that sentence. I don't care. <laughs> um, and, and then I saw him catch fire. And our mutual friend, Eric Reidholm, had mentioned it to me once and said I, that he thought I would oh. like it. Yeah. And so, and then I, you know, it had elements. So I, I don't know about you and in, in your relationship, but my husband and I don't have the exact same taste. So a lot of times we're trying to find, okay, what is the Venn diagram of things we want to watch? Um, if he had his way, it would be documentaries and like he loves weird comedy. Curb is very much him. I like more dramatic kind of, it's God, it's sort of such stereotypes. I hate, I hate everything I do. <laughs> Anyway, this show, I was like, this is perfect because it kind of has Mad Men vibes and they are like yeah. acting and it's about technology and you like computers. And <laughs> so the crazy part though, Katie, and I think you would agree, the reason I kept telling you just you have so much to look forward to obnoxiously is the wor- first season is the worst season in my opinion. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think it's because as much as it's a show about computers, which I don't think – I would have enjoyed had I not been coaxed into watching it. It's a show about people. It's yes. basically like, here's people, and then by the end, you're like, wow, I, I'm somehow rooting for all of them. Crazy. Which is very rare to have a, an ensemble cast where there isn't a good guy and a bad guy. They kind of switch who yes. holds the good guy and the bad guy ball throughout all of the season. So, of course, knowing that now, it's like the first season, how could I possibly feel the same way about it? Because I, I didn't know them yet. I was getting to know them. And I think the pacing of it, I'm using all these words when I talk about this show that like reviewers of TV shows use. I know. Professionals. And I'm like, oh, I sound like such a hack. But it's so true. It's the first show that like rocked me with the way that it paced the story and the way that it like gave you only as much as you needed at the time. And then later it would give you more and it would all kind of make sense. And I really liked it but you were uh, saying that the first season is the worst yeah, season well, I, I get carried away I, I feel like i guess i should tell people what the show's about uh for those who don't know it's it's about four people really uh two men and two women and the advent of the personal computing industry and all of them are very very much in love with their work and passionate about their work and there's engineers and they're not all there's a businesswoman one of the women is a brilliant coder, Cameron. Donna is more of a businesswoman, but uh, she's married to another engineer, Gordon. And then Joe is this sort of Don Drapery sales guy. And um, the show, you go on these like, it's an incredible journey with these characters and they really evolve and change. And But the throughout it all, and, and I said this to you, like I, I don't think I've ever seen a show about people who care about their work like this and I think that's yeah as much as I love like the relationships and I think that's really what was what's special about the show and makes you invested that's something I can't recall seeing on television portrayed like that and something that and I I imagine you feel the same way really resonated with me personally yeah there was also I mean it's the two women while one of them is married to one of the men and the other does at times date the other man they don't, it doesn't lead with that. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like they have their own stories. They are treated with the same weight as the men's stories. And I don't even mean that like it did it in a woke way on purpose. I just mean that it was nice to see like a well, like two well-rounded female characters working. I want to talk like to you about a getting scene to work and loving work at the end, but I don't want to spoil it for people. And I, I feel like I can't tell you the thing I want to say right now. Which 
scene because I need to have this conversation with you. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to have like a vague, listen, if you were wanting to watch this show and you have not seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, maybe like skip the next two minutes. I truly feel, because I called Ashley, I'll just say this first. I called Ashley before we were uh, about to film and I FaceTimed her and I showed her this scene and I gave, I was like, this is all the backstory you need to know. That one's you, that one's me. Go. And it was uh, the speech that Donna was giving at the party. And... I was like, I, and you can still watch it. Mm. I'm like, it's not a spoilery show to me. Like, there are big things that happen, but you have to pay attention to the people in order for the show to be riveting. Otherwise, you'd be like, computing, I don't understand any of this. But if you pay attention to the way that they evolve as people, that's where it gets good. But I, like, she said something, and I needed to share it with Ashley. It was very selfish of me. But I don't think you can really spoil. Okay, I don't think this is a spoiler. Show. But again, please skip next 30 seconds okay uh, we'll have travis you're listening you'll put in time codes of exactly where the spoiler starts <laughs> and exactly where it ends so that somebody can skip it check the description of the episode to skip the spoiler i, Nina, if, I need if you, you to speak freely show, i feel like by, by the time by the time you get to this you'll have forgotten what i've said i think that's what i said to scene, ashley too but it's it might not be true the final scene between the two female characters uh cameron and donna and you know the scene I'm talking about in the diner, and and then when she runs it's a waffle car. house. It says the diner, but it's a waffle house. Okay, so this is n- not this is not a spoiler, but I think that's the most romantic scene I've ever seen on television, and it's not. <gasps> it's like like people they're not less. It's not actually about romantic love, but I watching that I thought this is like the greatest display of love between two tv characters and like a special kind of love and an expression of that that it was it's so beautiful i don't know anyways it was it was yeah you're smarter than me so i have to ask you this because i assume the answer is yes do you know what donna's idea was um i think it's purposely vague because right before that She's in the diner and the camera's cutting to a bunch of different things that sort of lead you. It could mm-hmm. be like cashier related. It could be Venmo or, you know, not Venmo, PayPal, whatever. It could be like credit card. Like they're showing a bunch of different things happening. Um, because I would say one of the funny things about the show is like, it is about the advent of the personal computer industry. But these four people kind of invent everything. Like they invent social media. They invent and you could make fun of that. Um, but no, but I think I like it because it's it shows them trying to make everything and, and a couple failing. of their ventures. Yes, a couple of their ventures. Somebody comes along, like you notice, like they're oh, this company they're working on feels a lot like, let's say, Google. Yes, and then you're like, you hear them discussing the other ones popping up because it was the right idea. So obviously, somebody else had it, and then sometimes they lose. Yes, a, a lot, lot of they times lose they lot. lose. Which is so it's real. not like I, I think other shows just show you the like we happen to be looking at the very four people who touched every single thing that succeeded, and you're like that's not realistic. Of mm-hmm. course, people who touch things that succeed will try to go do the next thing. That's how they got here in the first place. Somebody else might get there first. That's just the reality of it. But it's how you bounce back and how you learn from that that you find out what your next thing is. I think that is one of the most important themes of the show, which is failure, and it's also something I think that is very important to technology and how technology, the industry developed in America or just globally over the last few decades, which is most people weren't the only ones with the idea. Like 
if you look back, if you read about the history of, you know, whether it is like a e-commerce thing or a social media site, there's usually multiple competitors and there's a lot of businesses we never hear about. And I think this show does a good job of capturing all the kind of the concept of like the also rands and how they affected people. Yeah, which is, I mean, it makes perfect sense because the show itself, Halt and Catch Fire, is a command that a computer runs on itself when yes. something's wrong to try to figure out what the problem is, right? Dude, we sound and like so TV reviewers, it, don't we? we sound I know. Like, like, it's total, why yeah. I, I hate talking about it, but I'm also like, oh, I, I, feel, I, feel good. I don't know if it's just that I'm at the age now where I can start to understand the shows that people make and what they wanted me to take from it. Or if it's that this show is so good. And I think the answer to this question for me may lay lie in your answer to this question. Did you watch The Queen's Gambit? Yes. Did you like it? I give it a solid B. Is that the I right or the wrong answer? I didn't like it. Oh, so you're like a D. I didn't finish it. <gasps> and I forgave myself for that. Because I didn't believe her as a character. She didn't make sense to me. And I found out because I Googled it to be like, what is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Smart people that I know praised this show. What's wrong with me? And I found an article and it unlocked it for me. And I'm not saying this is for everybody. But uh, it was written by a woman. I want to say it was in The New Yorker. And it was written by a woman who had read the book a bunch of times throughout her life. That's how much the book changed her life. Somebody gave it to her, and she was like, can you hear my dog chewing on a toy? Like, do I have to make her stop doing that? It's pretty faint. All right, Myrtle, can you just go easy on it? Um, Mom's trying to make a point. And now she forgets what it was. Oh, she was like, somebody gave me this book, and I was like, I'm not into chess. And the guy was like, it's not about chess. You have to read this book. And she read the book, and she was like, this is the best book. And then she watched the show, and she was like, nope. And she said that the point, a main theme in the book, not just a throwaway, but a main theme, recurring theme, was that the main character was ugly. It was important to the story. And at the end of the story, uh, she's like, people start to remark on how beautiful she looks, like how pretty she is now. Because mm -hmm. she followed her heart and listened to this voice inside her when everybody was telling her she was too ugly and she, was, she wasn't gonna make it, she was a foster kid and all this stuff. And then she was like, I know I'm supposed to do chess. I just know. Like, that's very simple. I know the story goes a whole bunch of different places. Yeah. But there was a scene that they use as the preview for the show. Uh, for Yeah, it's a show, not a movie. And in the preview on Netflix, it's her when she shows up to that first tournament. And they're like, do you have a number? And she's like, no. And they're like, do you have a this? And she's like, no. She says it with a confidence that was confusing to me because mm. I'm like, this is just a badass character. I don't relate from to this the, woman the at beginning. all. From the beginning. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, she walks in and she's like, I own this place. I know I'm good. And so I couldn't relate to her. But apparently it is almost verbatim taken from the book. And the woman who read the book, she's like, obviously you add your own nuance. But the way I read that scene in the book was that she was more hesitant of like, I'm just finding out that all these things I needed to get in here, I don't have. Mm. But I do have a love of chess and shouldn't that be enough? And when I read that article, I was like, man, that's it. So I'm not going to watch it. I might eventually. And if you're saying it's good in spite of that, I will. But it didn't get its hooks in me like it did in everybody else. And I was really bummed about that for a while. B is not a rave review from... Mina Kimes. Like, You're just I, a nice person. I, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm a positive grader. What's it called? Yeah. I grade on a curve. So, um, 
Because we're not TV reviewers, though we may sound as though we are. We sound very sophisticated, I think. I just, it, it was, I was trying to figure out if, if, like I said, if Halt and Catch Fire is that good, or if it's that I just was finally ready to start observing people's art through their eyes and, like, really pay no. attention to it. It's so good. It's so good. But I think it really is that good, because I watched Queen's Gambit ready to go, and I was like, no, well, Queen's not Queen, hooking me. Queen's Gambit, so I'll, I will say, I found it entertaining. And it was beautiful to look at, and I don't mean well, that just because I just referenced the way she looks, and she is beautiful. But it it's well shot. It's nice. I like the way they built the the houses and the you know the scenes yeah. were all nice. Well, her beauty is also like it, a huge part of the show. I mean, the camera yeah. dwells on her and her giant eyes constantly, and yeah. it feels like the confidence you described is as much a product of her you know, genius and whatnot, as it is if it actually looks like a model. And it is weird. It, it's I, I found that a little off-putting, which isn't to say that, you know, it's impossible for a, a supermodel, both the, her and the guy, uh, Benny. I don't know if you got that far, but there's He's a, the kid from uh, from Love Actually, yeah, right? All grown he's up? He's really cute now, too. And yeah. both of them, like, I'm not saying, look, I'm sure there are supermodels who are freaking awesome at. That's why this is conflicting because I don't don't want to say pretty people can't be multi-dimensional. It it creates a different arc because while it's it's believable to me that like these two beautiful people are also smart for sure, it's not believable then that they would have the same challenges and journeys perhaps. Right. Especially in the case of the main character, so it changes the story. And if the origin, if the source material is like. Yeah. She's ugly. I'm it's I don't waste any words. I'm the author of a book. I'm only putting in the words that matter to the story and a lot of the words are about her not being attractive. Well, and it, yeah. it, to just ignore that is it changes the whole you could tell a story about a beautiful young girl who does chess, but it isn't the same story. She changed she would she faces different issues <laughs> undeniably. Right. I mean, it's Which is the point that Jason Whitlock could have made. Like, this is the thing that makes me so frustrated to talk about this kind of stuff because I'm like, someone's going to say that this is what the criticism of me was. And it's like, it, it, but it isn't. It, was, it should be a criticism of the way we make sure only a certain level of attractiveness people get on TV, especially when it comes to women. Like, there's yeah. a, a part of the internet I've now discovered where people are like very passionate about like p- make movies and television with ugly people like make movies and television really? with regular looking people and at first I was like why do you guys care about this so much and then I realized well because because it's there's there are interesting stories to tell this thing yeah. beauty that we all either avoid talking about or uncomfortable talking about especially in relation to ourselves is clearly important to us in some way and think- so it it affects narratives and believability, frankly, which, yeah. you know, again, not in terms of whether or not this person can can do X, Y, or Z, but would this person face the same challenges? And like, where can they find, how much do, more do they have to believe in themselves if a bunch of people are quick to a judgment about them because of what they look like? Like the, you know, the classic John Hamm 30 Rock character where the super hot guy who has no idea how easy his life is. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, and I did love that they made it a guy because it's almost always a girl, but it, being him was totally. very wonderful. I, um, who do I always, go? oh, Jimmy Garoppolo in that offense. I always Shush. think of John Hamm. Oh, that he's um, got hot guy. And then one day he was like, oh, sh- wow, I had no idea that. My, everything I love the way you even naturally will bring it back to football. And I sports. can't help it. I can't help it. But um, 
<laughs> no, I want to stay there because we're going wherever the conversation goes. So let's well, live no, there I, for a second. You love football. Yeah. It's a thing that I, it's very hard for me to confidently say what another person loves, but I feel very comfortable saying you fully love football. And I've read your writing about why. I, I know it's strongly tied to your relationship with your father, but I think a lot of people would benefit from hearing you talk not about the thing you love, but about your love for it. So, golly. Stop chewing. Mina is being very sweet right now. Come here. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, what is she? Is it like a dental? It's like a, a huge a bone. She's bored. She really wants to go outside, but she can't. Um, oh, this brings me back to why I fed Lenny earlier. Oh, and we we're supposed to get into that. You're right. Uh, do we want to stay on the football or do you want me to explain why? We I can do, we'll do dog first. Okay. So it's very important. And then we'll do football. Well, I, yes. Yeah, so I revealed to you before that Lenny, his dinner time is 4 p.m. Pacific. And, um, and you were kind of shocked and you're right. It's wild. Yeah. So he started at six and then systematically worked his way down to four by terrorizing me. Uh, just, you know, first it was like at 5.30, he'd bother me. I'd be like, all right, whatever, it's 5.45. That, like, the man, I mean, this should be studied, like his manipulation <laughs> tactics. And it got to the point, Katie, it's gotten to the point, I don't know why I'm talking about in the past tense, where, like, if I'm driving home and it's 3.30, I'll just sit in my car because I don't want to, like, deal with him bothering me for dinner because this I know I'm not okay. Eat. It's not okay. It's, it's not, not okay. Terrorist tactics. But so right? here's my question for you, because if I told you when I feed Myrtle or used to feed her, she got me, she haggled me down half an hour. Uh, you would be shocked on the other side. I used, I feed Myrtle used to at 10. 10 p.m.? That's her dinner time. How yep. would she eat breakfast? She eats breakfast at around noon. Okay, well, so we're on different... That's what uh, I'm saying. So I, like, for me, it was... At first, I felt so bad about feeding her later. But the things that made it easier, one was that she stays up till 2 and then we go to sleep so that she can sleep in until the morning at, like, 10 or 11. Morning. That's my morning. Uh, But the other thing that helped was, like, she... If I fed her too early, she would be starving all night long and would bother me for food. So Mm. what are you doing with Lenny for the rest of the night? So I don't. I think I go to bed earlier. Try to go to bed earlier than you. It sounds well. Like. You much much earlier than me. But if you're feeding him at four, he's fine. But but then his next meal is at seven a.m. at the latest. Oh, that. So we're be on. Me. So when do you go to bed and wake up? Um. Well, so I get into the bed around yeah. um two thirty, three two o'clock on a good night. Uh. Sometimes I'll indulge myself and play too much Call of Duty, and I'll be in bed at three. But then I probably fall asleep around like four or five, uh, depending. Got it. Um, if I the days that I hosted HQ last week, I was like, "You gotta get this right." And so I went to I got in bed at midnight and was very proud of myself. And I think I was asleep by two and up by nine, which is big for me. Yeah, you were. I you beat me to HQ. I, I, That's right. Thank I, you for saying it on the record. Yeah, on the record. When I opened my screen, there you were. Your smiling face was looking right at me. Um, yeah, I. So so he doesn't go that long without food. He doesn't. So it's I, it sounds like we're just on like radically different schedules. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah no, that's a, it's the same difference. Yeah, but he he wants food right when he and I wake up. I mean, he wakes me up at six usually, and then I usually get another hour 
this is assuming I've actually slept. And, um, <laughs> which is a thing we can talk about. But, um, yeah, he usually. Let, no, let's. Let's talk said, about it because anybody who doesn't have a dog, anybody who doesn't have a dog is turning this podcast off right now. <laughs> but anybody who does is like, oh, fascinating because we never have a public space to be like, what time are you supposed to feed them at? Yeah. Uh, you got to find what works for you. But you, but so let's talk about it because I don't sleep very much. Um, yeah. Not by choice, but by, uh, for me, it's my brain wants to stay running like all the running I don't do physically my brain makes up for I am constantly at the gym in my head like I'm constantly like you got to keep lifting weights keep Mm -hmm. asking yourself why you did that today what part of you led you to that decision like why why did your boyfriend why did Dan like turn that light off was he trying to say something to you like I interrogate every single thought I have and it's very hard to slow that down and then eventually turn it off but you is it what's what keeps you up so I have never struggled with or never on the surface struggled with mental health most of my life but when I started doing television regularly so about 2017 I think is that right so about four years ago now um, god it it's like feels like you've been on tv for 10 years (laughs) the fact that you're here in four years is remarkable and I hope you know that but continue thank you very much um yeah so I was that, when I first started doing it, I remember the first time I ever went to Miami to do Highly Questionable is I didn't sleep the entire night. And I was so fucked up. Like the morning I was like, I'm going to fail. This is horrible. I remember drinking like a grande coffee, calling my agent, being like, this is a disaster. And he's like, you can do it. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And I did it and had jitters the whole time. Then periodically over the next few years, I would just kind of go in and out of periods where like before big television things I would just have insomnia um I saw like some sleep doctors who usually they all kind of have the same cognitive behavioral therapy is what it's called strategy for dealing with this it's pretty common um and to anyone's listening and isn't super as Lenny barks in the background isn't super familiar with insomnia or whatever and is saying thinking to themselves well have you tried like melatonin or exercise oh my god it's the worst thing you could say yeah so i tried you know that's like the a level gateway stuff guys like i'm i'm you know level six thetan or whatever when it comes to dealing with insomnia so um wow lenny is really that means i have a delivery by the way he's gone i think he's hungry uh, he already ate because I ate to, so he wouldn't terrorize us. <laughs> so he ate at three like a freaking monster. It didn't edit. work. Yeah, it's a delivery that he really has to make his presence known to the delivery person. So um, he'll stop in approximately 15 seconds. So It's okay. I don't mind. It's music to my ears because it's not my uh, dog. Wow, he's really going. Oh, wow. Really, Lenny? Really? Anyway, so um, medication, yada, yada, tried it all. In and it's gone through periods of whatever. So the simple explanation, Katie, is that I have anxiety about being public facing. But a weird thing happened about a year ago where it stopped. It became totally disassociated from that. And crazily enough, I'm not nervous at all before television now. I probably am like at some level for sure. And, you know, the fact that I could up and a bunch of people on the Internet will tell me I'm or ugly or whatever but really um it becomes like a self-reinforcing thing where yeah i I don't when i'm when i can't sleep i'm not like you where i'm like thinking about 
my mind's racing, I'm thinking about the fact that I can't sleep can't sleep oh that gets in there for me too because then you start to go oh i'm starting when the thoughts start to slow down my brain's like hits. here's a new one here's a new one it's 5 a.m now hey you yes yeah so um <sighs> i don't have clocks if you ever look at my phone i have the clock blocked out like with a little piece of tape and You've, you're a clock bo- blocker <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great business clock blockers i think um, it would and you just sell a bunch of things that are like who cares what time it is which sounds like my approach to life but yeah yeah um it's complicated and uh you know I think some of my anxiety now it's less about my ability to do my job and more bigger picture stuff about um what's next and you know I'm I don't know it's it's confusing frankly um but it's it's also and I think you can relate to this it's almost like, and this I hope this doesn't come across as self-aggrandizing to people who are listening or self-pitying because it's look I'm freaking I make a great salary and I get to work from home and all and you know all those caveats. Of, we are self-reflecting. And first that, world that problems. Means, These are first. Yes, world that means that the things about yourself that are good probably aren't going to get brought up, but you acknowledge them. You know they're there. I'm very lucky. I think people will appreciate the vulnerability from you. If anybody says anything to you about complaining, they can come to me. I made you complain. Please go ahead. <laughs> um, okay, so this is something I think I'm going to say this. I think you're going to understand what it feels like. And of course, I'm going to bring it back to football. I feel at times like I'm a wide receiver who needs surgery on his knees and no one knows. And the fans are watching me and think I suck because I, you know, didn't run a route perfectly. And they don't know the fact that I need surgery. And sometimes I feel like that about anxiety and in my case, insomnia, because shoot like even today i did television and i slept four hours i feel like shit that's not good and uh yeah so good. i know when you when you told me i was like damn mina mina who i'm like she's so good at managing her time you like i was saying at the beginning of this podcast i didn't think you would be able to do this until football was over and i had accepted that in my head of like well i'll just actually let her know now and then I'll come get her when she's ready. And I don't know if you even know the answer to this question, but is that like a, a, something that contributes to your anxiety or is that how you manage it? I, it's By more doing the so many things and doing Yeah, more. everybody thinks I'm tired. They're like, oh, you look really tired. You're overworked. I'm like, no, I'm tired because I slept from... You don't look tired ever. Those people are liars. They're rude and they don't want you to thrive. So <laughs> you don't ever look tired. I tell you, I can look at TV and go... That person, I relate to that. They didn't sleep last night. And never once have I related to how sleepy you seem or tired yeah. you are or you all your your brain functions mm. very well at a high level constantly. Well, it's um you know, so, you know, people think, "Oh, you're really overworked. That's why you're tired." It's like, "No, it's because I have like some fucked up disorder right and I slept from 3 to 6 or whatever." You know what I mean? So I don't know. I think that's what that's the only crappy part is like feeling like you're if people you're feeling concerned that not just people in the audience, but like people you're working with might are disappointed with you or maybe. Yeah. Oh, she's just lazy or. (laughs) Yeah. No, I look as a person who shows up late to stuff. And most times it's because I uh, think I have more time than I 
I think it takes me less time than it actually takes me to complete tasks. So mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh, I can give myself an hour to get out the door. And then I'm like, no, I can't. I needed a lot more time than that. Uh, it's never sitting at home being like, when am I going to leave for work? Eh, I'll make them sweat. And then you get there and you're like, I swear this is me being disorganized, which is yeah. probably somehow related to my creativity in a way that I can't quite fully fix this part of me without losing some other part of me that I value. I'm doing my best, I promise, and I love you, and I'm sorry. But like with anxiety and with an audience, like the audience you have at ESPN, it's hard to disclose something like that without feeling like you're making an excuse for yourself. Totally, right. And you I, you know that it's not that. And so then you have to do the opposite, which is not tell anybody and kind of find a way around it. But it makes perfect sense that the anxiety of like, well, you guys, if I slip up, it's because I didn't sleep and that sucks. But I bet there's people out there who are like, I totally get it. And then I bet there's people out there who are pissed that you're still so good at this (laughs) when you're not getting any sleep. Well, I I didn't tell people for a really long time, like years, really. And then I'm trying to remember the exact, I think it was in this September, there was like, Maybe like three days where it was two days where I didn't sleep, and on the third day I can Damn. find. Like, yeah, it was fucking crazy. And then on the third day, Damn. it's funny because this clip is somewhere because it was posted from one of our shows. Right after the clip, I almost passed out. I think it was HQ, but it might have been NFL Live. Anyways, right after that, I called like four people just sobbing, and uh, yeah. I wish I could see your face right now. I'm, uh, I'm making it's the Philip Rivers face. Yeah, no, and that was a lot of, like, I need the rest of the week off. Yeah. You had to. You reach a point. Can I make a joke right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we could, or we could talk about my point. I reached no, I have a, a point. joke. I have a joke. I got okay, a joke. Okay, go. Um, Do it. I actually, this isn't a joke. I actually mean it. I've, what you were kind of alluding to about creativity and time management, I've, oh, this is, I, I know this is gonna sound like a joke, but I've always believed that about Andy Reid. <laughs> That's not a joke. Tell me more. This is answers. Yeah. Okay, my you guy find was... answers to life okay. questions and so things I, like this. And of course, I bring it back to football. I love Andy Reid. I literally, I just everything about the way he approaches coaching football is like my favorite thing. And I, he's also one of the most innovative, fearless play callers in the history of the game. And I've always felt like his brain, like when people used to drag him for his clock management, I was like, no, his brain is, this is just like, let him, leave him alone. That makes and, perfect um, sense. Yeah, you're kind of the same, maybe? I'm Andy Reid? <laughs> Let's go. That's honestly coming from me. That's like the biggest comment. I know. You, know, you, you can understand. see it on my face. Yeah. I like myself more in this moment than I did but a moment ago. Because I got a cool compliment from Mina Kimes. And she managed to bring it back to football, which lets us get to a question I know is going to light you up because it truly is oh my God. the love of your life. And I want you to tell people about your love for it. Right, we that was a uh, detour that started with dog feet. Okay, <laughs> but we found our way. Um, we found our way. Yeah. So, football for me, um, I don't have like many hobbies. So for me, and this has been complicated now that I work in it. But for me, for a long time, it was just a pure hobby. Like, there aren't many things I do that don't have utility. 
in my life, my whole life. Like, this is just something I do for fun. I hate it. Even crosswords are, like, competitive for me. That's, like, one of my three hobbies, maybe. But there's, like, a clock, and I'm, I got to beat the clock, and, and then I'm, at, you know, sometimes I tell people what I got and whatever. So for a long time, football was just, like, I would just go to a bar with some friends and watch it and that was it i just like kind of lost in it and um it, so it had that aspect to it and that it was like a rare escape for me but also there was a puzzle side of it i really mm. like learning <laughs> and um, that's not don't laugh at that i love that i love that well that's what i love about football especially if you don't play if you didn't grow up playing which i didn't um the more you learn about it, the more you watch it, the more you study and talk to people, the more it's such a complicated sport, the more that when you watch it, you start to understand it's like the matrix. And I that's a feeling that I chase in a lot of things and I love. And that's something over the years that I really have always loved about the game is that every week I understand it a little bit more and I notice things differently and I see the matrix a little bit better and i'm still so far off from a lot of our colleagues and people i really admire in the space but that process of like understanding is really what excites me the most well and i think what you say you're far off from people that you respect in the industry but i also think you're further ahead than a lot of people and so there's value to showing anywhere you are in a timeline um like, if everybody had the same knowledge and the same perspective on the game, then we would just have one person, which we're pretty close to doing, have one person talk about it all day on a network. But, like, you, you're, you've you always, uh, like, listening to you talk about it is like listening to somebody, a musician, talk about a piece of music they really like. Oh. It's different. Because you don't, it's not, you're not a former athlete. Like, well, I mean obviously athletic woman but not like you didn't play football did you uh just soccer and um i run the other the other football yeah, yeah you're a runner i can't just again Bare only in my barely brain. barely but you, i hate he, it i hate it i want i want to be clear i yeah, one of those at least we have that in common yeah okay. we have bonded over this of like anyone who says that you hit a euphoria i don't know what that feels like i'm just no. the euphoria is when it ends and i don't have to do it anymore that was but like even though you're not a football player and hearing certain football players talk about the game, you get that like awesome feeling. But with you, it's like somebody who truly appreciates it and wants other people to appreciate it. You make it accessible, but your brand isn't like, I want access for all. You're just like, I'm going to talk about it the way I relate to it. And it's deeply personal in a way, but you're not talking about yourself. Like, I do things that people say are personal, and I'm like, well, they have to be, because I'm just talking about myself, mm. which is makes me feel stupid sometimes. But you are personal. You make football personal. And that, like, you have unlocked in me, like, the thought, the approach to it that is right for me. Watching you be so good at being you and approaching football the way you do a, I learned things about football, but B, I learned things about me where I was like, oh, that's she found her way. She's being her authentically and doing her job authentically, which led me to be like, what's my what does authentic me look like? Because I don't I can't do what she's doing. It's just not going to be possible for me, but I'm not supposed to because she's doing it. So I have to do it my way. 
And like that thought, unlocking that has been so helpful to me in my life so that now I can look at other women that are coming up and instead of going, oh no, do I have to do it that mm-hmm. way? Oh no, do I have to do it that way? I look at them and I'm like, hey, come do it your way. What can I learn from your way? And like, you come do it your way. Because the more ways you do it, the more interesting something is, which seems super obvious, but it, it you get caught up in the doing of it sometimes and you forget that like the way you do it is what matters. I really appreciate that, but I would also want to quibble with one thing you said about yourself. Let's fight. Uh, you, Let's which fight. Is, uh, you, t- you talked about sort of, you know, you, you make things personal and that's kind of like you're, you put yourself out there and you're, um, you know, you relate like I, I, when there's, when you're doing analysis or making jokes or whatever, often it's coming back to your personal experiences. And that's all true. But as someone who's kind of had a few opportunities now to do television with you and this and <laughs> other things, um, I think your greatest talent is just, this is so like, so we're just like each other off, but whatever. Um, you don't make me cry. I'm allowed to say weird. this on an ESPN. Did I praise? Yes. I, um, Travis will figure well, it out. Okay, he's bleep out he'll, the he'll verb handle it. Um, I think what I've found most impressive and um, interesting, frankly, is how good you are at listening and responding to people. Um, because a lot of times in TV and sports TV in particular, it's like everyone's just waiting for their turn to speak and say the thing they wanted to say. And the people who are the greatest are the people who can, for God knows what reason, do both. Say really crazy, smart. And yeah, I don't and know listen, how they do and host that. And yada, 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 whatever. And that's the rarest and all that. But um, like I, there's always a moment where I kind of watch your, literally I can see your like eyes kind of like flicking around. That's kind of weird, but um, you're a very active listener. No, I love and, that. Um, you always, you have a really, a gift, not just for, making things personal, but also making them personal for the other people who are speaking, saying, oh, you said this. Here, I have this uh, wealth of knowledge about you and what's funny about you and special about you. And I can advance that in a way that buttons up this conversation or makes this entertaining or fun for others. And I think that is different from, quote unquote, making it about yourself. That is so nice. Yeah. You're going to make me cry. I think I've really learned from all of this self-reflection, and it's a terrible time to have learned this. But I think if I'm honest with myself deep, deep down, I think I love people. And, like, that is hard right now because there are people who I see not being true to themselves. I see people getting distracted by grifters people getting distracted by like hey over here look over here and then they take your money and then they leave you and like (laughs) I feel for those people I feel for them because I'm like somebody told you follow me and it'll be okay Mm -hmm. and you were scared whether you admitted it or not you were scared and so you followed somebody because they told you they'd protect you and you kind of tuned out all the other stuff and you didn't listen to the voice inside of you that like that's what's going to protect just be you be the person Because I don't know what we are, who we are, if this is the Matrix, or if we're all one person and we just uploaded different versions of ourselves to make some sort of a game. I don't know what it is. And I certainly go to the gym and try to figure it out a lot of the time that I've been at home. But I, I don't think I'm supposed to get the answer. But what I think the takeaway from that is, is like, if the person that I'm talking to is hurting in a way that I can... I can help them stop 
it's I feel so not burdened, mm. but like compelled to help. Like when if I'm on a TV show and somebody does something and makes themselves look stupid and I see them get embarrassed, my I'm like, wait, 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 I'll do something more embarrassing. You're okay. You're okay. You're all You're right. I just don't the want Billy Madison. You're doing the Billy Madison. Yes. Yes. I just want somebody else to feel like, oh, okay, oh, I'm safe. Because I think feeling safe is the is the best feeling when you just are like, everything is stressful, but I have support. Yeah. And then it sort of makes you go, okay, well, then how are we going to deal with this stress? Because if you have to carry the all of it by yourself, you're never going to get to this the processing of the stress and not to bring it all back to halt and catch fire. But I think the reason the show about computers is actually about people <laughs> is because like we are processors. You input things to us. We, if we process them properly, we can keep running. But if we get jammed up, if there's trauma, if there's sadness, if there's loss and you don't process it, then you don't, then it was then it wasn't I don't want to say a waste because I don't want that to sound really mean to somebody who hasn't processed something. It's just like it's info and some of it's bad info and some of it hurts, but you just gotta look at it, feel that pain, and then like process it and get it through you so that you can keep running efficiently. Um and I just hate seeing people get bogged down in in the things the world is telling them. When it's like you know you know, if you take a step back and you look at yourself, you'll see you're okay and you have a lot in common with this person and these people and this thing. And like, I don't know, I just think I love people and I think people have a capacity for love that's insane. That The speech that Boz gives yeah. to, to Cameron Beautiful. when she's leaving and we've you and I had talked about this. You were like, which character are you? And I think it was like season two. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I'm any of these people. And then season four or something, I was like, I'm and Ashley is Donna like bawling my eyes out Cameron gets a speech from Boz who's like this father figure to her and I have a dad I don't have like daddy issues I, like that are the same as most people when you hear that term but like my Boz gives this speech to her that I was like thank you Boz I needed to hear that like he looked at her and said you I, you've got a capacity you've got so much love inside of you and I was like <gasps> <laughs> I've been stabbed in the heart by a television <laughs> character. But it's like he sees her. And I think that's the, again, everything is halt and catch fire. Everything. But it's, I think that's, my, I'm learning is my whole thing. And that's scary because when love is your weapon, it doesn't always do the best at war. Um, but I think I might be a hippie. I don't know, <laughs> Nina. No, I, 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 I think it's been the the quarantine time the i saw someone say we should stop calling that because america didn't do that and i kind of think that's i know uh, it's like i did, I did though I did, but i yeah. did um and so if i we don't have to call it quarantine for everybody but it's been my quarantine yeah. i tweeted once probably four months into quarantine about quarantine and someone was like who's still quarantined it's like excuse me i am i haven't left my house um i think it's been like a time in which a lot of people have realized that God, I sound like a commercial in the in these That's times, me too. It's the the thought you're having is the same thought I have. Dependent on each other or whatever, but um, <laughs> I think it's not just like, oh, I actually want to see this person and party, or I want to get dinner with a friend, or I want to, you know, whatever, go to champagne brunch with my ladies. 
I think <laughs> with my gals, I was trying to think of, my girl. I was trying to think of something that happened in a commercial. Um, I've never. I've, I can't even remember the last time I was around like multiple humans, but people, um, multiple people at. Once. But like emotional support is a real thing. Feeling like your coworkers, and it kind of comes back to what I told you about revealing what I was like dealing with or whatever. Like feeling like supported by people who you work with and who are in your life and generally feeling like you have people you can tell that to and don't even have to solve the problems but being like able to share that with people um it's like integral to functioning and for 99.9 percent of us i can't like i live with my husband he can't be the only person who knows this that i'm going through and I think a lot of people relate to this too. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be just our jobs, which are unique, but every job's like, there's so many specific things to our daily, you know, functions and tasks and challenges. And having people to share that with who have those same things is, it's kind of everything. It's a relief. So, yeah. When someone's like, oh, my God, I also my laptop wouldn't turn on yesterday and I was five minutes late and I'm like, why is my laptop not turning on? And you're like, thank you. OK, cool. Whenever somebody shows up late to HQ and they're like, I'm sorry, I'm like, don't be. You make me feel better when you also cannot get your life together on time because your dog just chooses to need to go outside the second you can't take her outside, Myrtle. <sighs> it is. I just. uh yeah, I've been, it's just a lot of processing. There's a lot of, we gotta help each other out. There's a lot going on. That's the whole goal of this for me, was like, let me talk to the people that I think are on my team. And let me show other people, like the audience that this podcast has, and I, I attribute a lot of that to Ashley, and, and a lot of it to Jay, the relationships that we formed on the podcast, has given me this awesome audience of people that I'm like, I want to protect them. I want them to have uh, people to go to. I don't want them to feel like they have to come to me. I want them to be able to have a network of people that they can trust because there's so, every time I turn on the TV, I'm like, Trust is going away, and we and it's not being it's do, it doesn't make as much money, and so it's it's not really valued, mm. and so I, I'm like I want to make sure the audience is like, hey guys, this is Mina Kimes, this is Mina Kimes, a person that you probably respect professionally, person whose work you've definitely seen, but like this is Mina Kimes, this is the Mina Kimes I see when I look at Mina Kimes, and this is why I will fight for Mina Kimes whenever somebody tries to take me to battle. This is why I will make dumb Instagram stories that I know embarrass Mina Kimes, but I won't tag her in them because I want people to watch and support this person because I think this person truly, truly loves doing what she's doing for you. I did the same thing with Golik Jr. I'm like, this is Mike Golik Jr. He, you may know things about him or think you know things about him. This is the Mike Golik Jr. that I see, the one that texts me when... Somebody says something mean to me online and he says, like, you good? Because you're good. Like, He's the best. That I want people to, to see that so they can know when I say, like, I'm actually kind of glad my brain just brought us here. Um, you put out or reported on, I don't want to say this wrong, but you helped contribute in reporting to the story about the uh, Mets general manager. Am I phrasing that correctly? Yeah, I reported it with Jeff. Yeah. And 
with oh, Jeff. Yeah. And I and uh, somebody on the internet said something about like you can't trust anybody in the media nowadays. So I he kept trying to poke holes in it. And I was like, <laughs> hey, by like the fifth tweet back and forth, I said, hey, I can trust Mina Kimes. I know Mina Kimes personally. So you're not going to convince me with some narrative that was sold to you by another media company who has a vested interest in you not trusting this media company. You're not going to convince me because I know who wrote the story you're trying to tell me right now. I know Mina personally. I should be able to convince you that you can trust that story being reported properly. And if you won't let me, then that's a wall you're putting up and you should think about why that is. But I know this person. And... It's my, it's my whole goal. I want people to be able to trust the people that they get information from. And also that means making mistakes. It doesn't mean being perfect. Uh, please, I lead with my mistakes. So you can trust me. When I make a mistake, I will own it. But I'm going to try my best not to. And I had texted you after you wrote that story to check in on you. But I just want to check in on you again. Because I think people overlook how difficult it must be to report something like that knowing that it's about a woman who was working as a reporter in sports. Yeah. Um, so thank you for texting me. I, so I, I, don't know if, I don't know if you knew this. Before I came to ESPN, I was an investigative reporter. So this is like what I used to do. Of course I do. I do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I used to do a lot of difficult stories, a lot of talking to lawyers and that kind of thing. And, uh, and then part of the reason I, I'd left is because I didn't want to do that uh, full-time anymore. Anyways, I found it very stressful. Um, it's heavy. It's full-time heavy. It's a, it's a lot. Yeah. It's, uh, and, you know, the, the ones who are really great at it, like they, they're just, they get a high off of it and they're just not of, like off of exposing wrongdoing and the pursuit and, and whatnot, but I wasn't really like that. And so this particular story is one I've also lived with for a few years because um, it, this is in the story. Um, that was when I was first put in touch with the source years ago, back when I was a writer. I wasn't on television yet. And then she didn't want to come forward with the story or go public with it because she was still working in the industry. So I just kind of checked in with her periodically. So that that's, it's just been kind of a thing that's lived in the back of my mind for a while and would you know it was just kind of lingering there and it made i felt bad about it and sad but these stories like you wait for the source that's how it works and um when she changed her mind it kind of kickstart uh, kickstarted a series of events that led to the you know we, jeff and i finishing the reporting and then executing the story but um it it's it, it, it's scary because the the burden not only of getting everything right and being fair and fact-checking everything and being all legally buttoned up, but also this type of story in particular, wanting to do everything possibly right by your source and be sensitive to everything that comes along with that. And that makes it very different from other types of stories. Um, so, you know, it was... It, it was it, it's difficult i don't do this anymore man i'm not a reporter anymore i like i don't have bylines anymore so it's just been like a weird few days because like i'm like yeah i gotta go rewatch bill's cheese week six but i'm also doing this intense thing um it's time the timing of it i was like oh my god right now right now yeah, uh, no thinking of you and how much how much is on your plate yeah, Jeff seems like a good guy. He's, he's like, 
It's just tough. Good. Yeah. So I'm glad it's out. Um, and I, honestly, I was kind of like checked out of the response to it in a way. I wasn't looking at mm. my mentions or anything, which is something I've gotten better at. Um, so but that's good. It felt like people got it or understood. You know, the, a really important part of that story to me was the um, not just the fact that it was a woman, but it was a non-English speaking woman and and i i it, i was very concerned about people understanding that dynamic and i felt like they did so yeah i think they did too i also it was interesting to see it sort of turned into a day of you know it kind of controlled at least the discourse of my timeline for the mm-hmm. day um of women in sports sharing their experiences or arguing with the people who said that it was not true which you'll think there will be a story where those people won't pop up the defenders of the accused but they're always going to be there always no matter how like you read a story and you're like I don't know if you do this it's the only it's like the most cynical thing I do is I read a story and I'm like what hole are they going to try to totally as you're reading it you're like when is it when's the big reveal that she was wearing something else you know what i mean like you're waiting for they're gonna take that they're gonna take that and they're gonna take that and they're gonna say it was her fault and so like reading this one i was like there's nothing to take there everyone must be unanimous on this and they weren't shocking um but i think it was interesting for me to experience the story read it have it affect me like it bummed me out and i was in a bad mood for a day but i didn't really participate in the discourse and then later on at night, I think, was when I got in, like, two back and forth. I, I, I wanted to ask you about were, that. Like, do you – because I – this is something I wrestle with. Like, do you – are you, when you go back and forth with someone that you disagree with, is it – for you, do you feel in part of your mind, like, I can convince this person? Or is it something you mm-hmm. just, like, can't resist and it just kind of, like, comes out of you? No. It used to be – it used to be that I can't, I couldn't resist. And back then I would get defensive. I couldn't resist the argument because I, I knew I was yeah. right. So I would get really defensive. And then now I've realized that it's not that I know I'm right. It's that I, I think it's, I think the logic on it adds up and I, I want to walk the person a little closer and to you it. Think- or I want to impart, I, I think in my head, like are I think I can change that's, them. That's where I wanted to ask you because I don't know if they are. I don't know. They, I can't. Yeah. I know this is the thing. I know that I can't, but I know that I can. And the two ideas exist in my head. And I hear the logic of like, don't try. And it's why I can't try with all of them. There are some where I'm like, you're too far gone. Someone closer to where you're at is going to have to bring you a couple steps and then I can grab you. But like if everything's a spectrum and there's people here and then this is the other end, these are the two poles. If I'm like here and someone's here, I can grab that person because all it takes is empathy. All it takes is being like, I know why you feel that way. I felt that way too. Here's why you'll later cringe at what you're saying right now. Here's what future you is going to look back at this tweet and feel this way about it. You got to trust me because I've been you. So like with and then once I learned that I can apply it to broaden the scope and on issues where I never felt that way. I can still see somebody who's a couple steps back and I can be like, come on, come on. And if they don't, they don't. And I have to like the hardest thing is knowing like, okay, this is done. 
Because then if they keep being like, oh, well, no, you're not replying. because you're. But it doesn't affect me as much anymore because I'm like, yeah, I'm not replying because I value my time. I thought I could get you and I was wrong. I have to fail quick. I have to decide I, f- I picked the wrong person to try to convince and then I got to move on. But every now and then, the reason I don't stop entirely trying to convince people of what I believe in is because every now and then you get the guy who's like, well, I'm looking at it from a different perspective now. Thanks for saying that. And I'm like, you did it. <laughs> it's so, it's you so did weird it. when that actually happens. Like, it's, it's that crazy. little reward. It's crazy. It, and it's a little bit of a little shot of adrenaline. And you're like, well, that's enough energy to get me through the next dumb argument I'm going to get in with somebody online. But you're like, I, I think I might have helped. And then you just back away and they probably go and be self-destructive. But I just... I don't like I don't like when people log on to Twitter to say things before they log on to another website to read them. Like <laughs> I don't like that people's first instinct when they hear a headline is to share what they think about it. If you haven't put time into thinking about it, why are you sharing what you think? And I think I learned that through having a platform this big for a while. It used to stress me out of like, what, whoa, when am I, I'm getting in trouble because I said something, but it was just a thought that I tweeted. And then I started taking my own criticisms and saying, what if this person's right? How can I fix the thing they're attacking me for? Let me assume that they're right, unless it's something obviously, like if somebody tells me I got fucked up teeth, I'm like, yeah, you're right. There's nothing I'm going to do about that. So have a good day. Hope it doesn't bother you. But if someone's like, you're, you're, you have a blind spot to something. I'm like, oh, let me, let me actually make sure. Instead of typing back like, no, I don't. You're blind. Like, I'm like, wait, let me see if I do. And then when I check, if I find that I do, I can grow. And if I don't check, it's just going to harden. And that's what people are doing now. They don't check. They just are like, I think this, I think this, I think this. And it's like, well, when are you doing any thinking if you're talking all the time? Mm. God, I got to I, so, I, need, I no, get frustrated at people. You've like made me ref- like I, I think I need to be more open to having like to. It's hard because like so many of the critiques we get are either malicious or in bad faith. But you're not. Yes, yes. But, but you, some of them are not. Like you some of them are fair, and some of them are not. And it's some of them are not, and also some of them are just bad communicators. Some it, people yeah. have wisdom in the thing they're saying that can help me but they're not saying it right and it's and I found myself getting bogged down in how they said it because how people say things is my whole job like how am I going to communicate this point what words do I choose to make this joke as funny as possible like I write and rewrite tweets a bunch of times before I send them I google how to spell the word I'm writing just in case I'm getting it wrong because to me it's like that's my life that's my livelihood that's my work but sometimes people just log on and go like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and if it, for me, if it's like, oh, this looks like it might have a morsel of something useful to me in it, I'll, I'll ask a follow up of like, is it this? Is it this that bothers you when I do this? Or is it this? And then they're usually like, oh my God, I'm such a big fan. I was only kidding. And then I'm like, okay, well then never mind. This isn't valuable. Have a There's good so day. Much, uh, I but usually love you, but. Um, yes. I, yes. But there is. That. You're right. And look, I don't want you to hear this. Yeah. What'd you I say? think there are, I, I feel like I'm missing good faith, not even criticism, but like questions. Why did you think? Yes. Because you get a lot of bad faith. Well, I mean, we all do. There's a lot of bad faith in your mentions. Yeah, but you talk about sports in a way that I don't. And people don't like that. 
That's that's you're going to get a lot more bad faith. Whereas I'll come on TV and be like, yeah, I don't know who's going to win this basketball game. But I recognize in Kyrie Irving him struggling with really big picture ideas. And I can relate to that really affecting the way you do your job. So Kyrie, if you're listening, I hope you know. Like I can use that that way. And then nobody's like, you don't know about basketball. I'm like, yeah, idiot. I said that already. So what are you going to, you think that's going to hurt me? You are like, I know about football. And they're like, no, you don't make me a sandwich. It's like you, I re- even though, again, you're not a professional female athlete, it's a similar people are projecting onto you a lot like constantly they're projecting their own fears or their own inadequacies or their own things they haven't dealt with onto you and you can't let that in because that stuff's toxic and can hurt you I have just got an ability because of the kind of content I make that I know I can let some of it in and also I'm so toxic to myself that sometimes letting it in from other people I'm like oh this is refreshing somebody other than me telling me how much I suck uh and I can be like how do I turn this into a useful resource but this is what works for me and please do not have your takeaway be that you need to check your (laughs) because when you told me that you were stopping doing that I like smiled inside for you because your at mentions can be very scary yours are scary too but also i'm laughing at them i've actually started just assuming they are all joking either if it's not a criticism i'm like this person's just writing a joke you you do what you just described which is oh my god i used billy madison in a verb and i almost used eight mile as a verb but you eight mile them pretty like you said like you get to the insult before they do like you're you're not fronting you're not presenting yourself as an nba expert in the you know the Kyrie, for example and so thus nobody can come at you with that bullshit right like which is a defense mechanism in itself i assume well, i think it's also it feels like honest. the lack of them but it is one well i pref- vastly prefer that to fake you like if you faked it like i think you what you're you're, you're yeah. generally what you're doing is trying to use your intellect to f- to figure out what you find interesting and compelling and original and you know what like five, 10 guys are going to tell me the same thing about the nets <laughs> like so i'd rather hear something different okay like so uh, i don't know what that voice was by the way but um i liked it i liked sassy, it a lot voice. so anyways my point is um yeah i i i my relationship with the internet is complicated. All of us, every single human being right now on Earth, this planet has a complicated relationship with the internet and how we serve it and try to make it serve us and mostly fail. But I do, it makes it, it bums me out that because of the fountain of bullshit, I am missing the good. And there's a lot of good. There's a lot of sweeties out there, man. Men and women who are just like, there are some just cool and nice and want to like talk about fun stuff and love football or dogs or whatever. So I miss a lot of that. And then I also miss perhaps a reasonable engagement or critique sometimes. And it stinks, but it's because I just got to like wear shades, you know, 
That's it's so yeah. Look, you can't. There's you've everything ebbs and flows. So there's gonna be times where I'm like, hey, Mina, good to talk to you. You know, I'm out of my at mentions. I'm out of them for the next three months. Like you take breaks and you go. It's like you do what you can take at the time. I found myself hungry for input, and I was like, well, you got an entire section of a website where people give you input all day long. What if you treated it like it was constructive? I could I have been? Should I have been getting it elsewhere? Yes. Was I? <clears throat> no. And so I needed some. I needed to be like, why do I keep feeling like I'm failing? What is it about me that's failing? I don't think I should be failing. And I found it. But it was just because I was desperate for it. There are much healthier places to find it. And I still, I haven't logged into my Facebook in oh, like three yeah. years. And I do not check YouTube comments because those are never going to be helpful. People are just performing their own stand-up routines in those comment sections. Mm -hmm. They have nothing to do with me and I will let them go about their mm -hmm. way. Yeah. But from Twitter, I, Twitter just is my platform and I, I hate all of its bads, but I love its goods. I think its goods are really good. I love, uh, yes. I, I, mm, I also have like a, craving for inputs you know most people do like I, we're not unusual and yeah. wanting to know what other humans think of us the difference is there's a little bit more of them perhaps and you know like i don't know i i've i've kept telling myself for years don't take criticism from anyone you wouldn't take advice from that old adage That's yeah smart. but it's hard because the people you want advice from aren't available to give you input and rarely do and so honest input too yeah. because they don't want to hurt your feelings but then for me like when I when I get input from people that I respect and I can tell they're not being honest I'm like well now I'm this hurts my feelings more because you don't trust me enough to tell me exactly what you think are of you, me are you and they're like I can't believe you want that and I'm like of course I do I want to be the person that you want that you would love and think is her best version of herself are you a harsh critic of yourself obviously yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> like, no. Yes. I'm actually constant, constant, constant. Um, I said it on the podcast uh, last week. I said something about how I've, I've just recently realized that I'm constantly interviewing myself in my head. Mm. And somebody uh, on some platform said, "Like, oh, you're a self interrogator. You're not asking yourself questions. You're trying to get to the bottom of a crime, and you are very." you handle yourself brutally because you're like did you do this mm. instead of being you have no good cop you're only bad cop you're like trying to figure out if all the bad is out of you because you're like being bad to yourself in the process mm. and it's like oh shoot okay are, are there cool. people who are, who aren't That's this cool. way i don't i hate i i think i so. watch myself and I'm, i want to throw up most of the time i'm like this person mm. you know what's funny since I've started, um, you know, I hit a depression, a dark, long, deep depression. Probably, I had probably started dipping my toes in before quarantine and hadn't really realized. I just was like, why do I feel lost? And then all of a sudden things started happening and I like, phoom, like sunk. There were days I didn't get out of bed for a full day. Not sleeping, just couldn't get out of bed. Uh, and I was felt so guilty about it and I was like, oh my God, you're a failure, blah, blah, blah. And then it kind of... I hit the bottom and Dan was there and was like, yes, you're here. It's time to get to work. I love this. Now that it's out, now that you're crying, now that you're like, "There's it couldn't get worse, let's get to work on getting it better. And I was like, well, you angel human. Yeah. Uh, there was a reason I was telling this story that I've now forgotten, but he, he walked me out of it. And since I've come out of it, things are easier. Things can hurt me less. I don't know... 
I'm sure it's going to go back because depression is a bitch and it's yeah. not that easy to manage. Um, but I just feel like criticisms of me now, I'm like, oh, I remember when I thought that about myself. That's okay that you feel that way. You'll come around. And then I watched today, Katie Nolan Giff's account tweeted, apparently they do this sure. a lot, tweeted a full episode of uh, Garbage Time. And I think he, they, I assume he, but I'll just say they said, like, this was my favorite outfit or my favorite look. And I was like, oh, what look is it? And I clicked on it and I ended up watching a full episode of Garbage wow. Time. And I was like, man, what a good show that was. You made a really good show. Mm. And then I was like, oh, am I allowed to say mm. that? Did I just say something nice to myself? But I genuinely watched it and was like, you're not as garbage as you tell yourself you are. You've made progress, but you were doing all right back then. This is a very, I was entertained watching something of myself. <laughs> that never happens. I used yeah. to watch things I made and be like, oh God, get it off the screen, make her shut up. And so I think I've also realized that like you can love people, but that means you gotta love yourself too. Yeah. And like I'm starting to, I'm starting to appreciate me more. But it feels so weird to say out loud because you're like, cool, thanks for listening to the podcast where I talk about how much I love myself. No, Be sure to like and subscribe. Not, I mean, your job is unique, but the, act the challenge you're describing, which is taking pride in your work and feeling like you did a good job, is something literally everyone except sociopaths <laughs> struggles with at, in, to varying degrees. I don't – I take very little pride in my work. I – it's so funny. Like, I, I think sometimes – there's this, people talk about like clickbait and doing things for the likes or whatever. I feel nothing. Like if I, this is such a weird thing to say, whatever. If I have like a video and it goes, gets a lot of views or likes or praise, I don't feel good. I feel good in the moment when I'm making something, if it's going yeah. well, and then that feel good faucet inside of me immediately shuts off. Um, I don't know how to change that. About I wish I could. I... Yeah. Is it because the doing of it is where your joy is? Because that's not, you're not wrong. I think a lot of people associate joy with the finishing, but I 100%, think, it, you know, the journey was the friends yeah. we made along the way. Like that whole thing. The problem is, that's good. And, and, and I, in some ways, like there's a version of that that sounds enlightened where I'm like, I don't care what people think. I just care about the work. Except while I, I don't get the positive <laughs> feeling, I get the negative feeling. So if a lot of people like something I make, I don't feel good. But if people dislike it, you're you know, fucking like one out of every 10 is like, this sucks. Man, that's, that. that is, you're, that's dangerous. Yeah, I know. So dangerous. Um, you don't hear compliments. Yeah, I, I really don't. I, 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 I interpret compliments in like the form of opportunities, which fortunately is like how our business works. Cause like nobody tells you you're good. You just get invited back or not. Um, so I do take pleasure in being like asked to do things. I'm like, oh, this is a compliment. I've been trusted with this. I got this opportunity, whatever. Um, but that's about it. And yeah, I, I feel, I don't feel like in terms of my work, the only pleasure I really get is from the moment. So that's, I mean, that's not, don't tell yourself that's wrong. Forgive yourself for it. Yeah. That's how your body processes things. You like to make them. You feel good and rewarded by the making of them. And then 
I think maybe don't ever look at your app mentions because <laughs> then you're only going to take the negative I know, from it. You won't bummer. get any of the good. I, I, I was like that as a kid. And you're so good at your job. But, but I, I like, I, I have. Did you say you were like that as a kid and then immediately try to not talk I about mean, it? I mean, well, I just felt too like, like if we were parodying uh, culture, like podcasters before, I feel like now I'm doing like, I don't know, therapy type thing. Therapy podcast. But, yeah, I, mean, I do this a lot. You know, I wanted the A, but then once I got the A, I didn't really give a shit about the A. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's who was it that said it? I want to say it was Larry Fitzgerald, not to bring it back to football. <laughs> but like the winning, like the doing, well, it couldn't have, well, whatever. The winning doesn't feel ever feel as good as the losing feels bad. It was something that uh, Matt Ryan said after uh, after the I Super Bowl. When he was like, it's a, the losing hurts worse than the winning feels yeah, good. I'm, I'm and totally wired that way. That's you. I don't, yeah. I don't enjoy my successes at all. But there, it's not, I'm not, I think that's. There are things I enjoy. I want to be clear. Like, I enjoy, you know, the feeling of, like, my dog's ears. <laughs> yeah. And their ears yeah. really are the softest uh, parts. Yeah, so soft. So soft. So soft. But that's normal. I think that's normal. I think there's a lot of people who don't enjoy the winning as much as as they do hate losing. And it's like that can be a way to be motivated. You're motivated to not lose instead of being motivated to win. And in a place where we don't play sports, maybe that's healthier because what does a win look like? You can kind of define it yourself. I think as long as – But you've yeah. got to give yourself some wins. You've got to give yourself some pats on the back. Yeah. Like you, you do the thing. You do the thing that a lot of people don't want you to do, and you still do it really, really well. You don't let those people tell you how to do it because you love the how. You love how to do it. You know how to do it because you like that part. They can't touch that. They can touch the thing that you made, but they can't touch how you made it because you did that. They didn't. Yeah. I try to feel that way. I don't know. I. It's yeah, a process. It's a process. Yeah. I try. It's a process. You are... You are succeeding. You are succeeding whether you realize it or not. It was a thing that Dan said to me, and I'll say it to you because I believe it to be true for you, and it changed my life to hear him say it, where he was like, you did it. You did it. You don't have to be done doing it, but you did it. Like, you got here. Not a lot of people get here, and you got here through a combination of luck and privilege and hard work and whatever it is you have. It got you here. So, like, congratulate yourself for that. The next thing is obviously always what you're looking at, but sometimes you have to stop and the world forces you to stop and step back from it and be like, huh, I did it. And then you'll find that, like, you're afraid to acknowledge that because you're afraid if you acknowledge it, it means you're done. But then you find that acknowledging you did it makes you want to go back and do it again. You're like, let's do more then. Let's get to work. Like, it... It reinvigorates you instead of stopping you, which is what I think I was afraid of. I thought I was afraid that if I was like, I did it, that it would be like, I'm done. And it's not. It's like, I did it. And now let's go do it again. I have never felt the way you're describing, whether it was. Um, oh, man, it feels so I mean, good. I want this oh my feeling God. for I you. I mean, I feel it over with small things like, God, like if I put together a cabinet, I'm like, fuck, yeah. Like I feel that, <laughs> like euphoria or like I made a cake that actually turned out well. Or I helped a friend and they were like, this is, thank you. I, I get those but feelings. You, but even like, you know, doing the SATs, getting into college. I'm like, okay, I got in. Now I'm in. What's next? Yeah, I, 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 I don't no, I didn't take yeah. any. I only had the fear. But this is the thing. You, 
you are, you love football. You've loved football. You didn't start loving it when you worked here. You, you left other jobs. You had other jobs that you were good at, qualified for, crushing it at. You left to come here because that's what you were like, I've always wanted to do. I love football. You're now on one of the main programs on one of the main networks that talks about football. Mm. You did it. Like, again, you don't have to be done doing it and you should keep doing it. But you did that. You gravity. You let gravity pull you towards the thing you're supposed to be doing. And you found it. What a relief that is. You don't have to seek it. Now you get to, to do it. And if you change and you grow and football eventually becomes illegal or something you'll you'll you can trust your heart because your heart led you here to exactly where you're supposed to be and you're young and that's a a, a huge gift yes i i know we're old and i also like i'm at the point where i've people have avatars on twitter of their of a celebrity but because I'm so old now, I'm like, I think that's them. And then they're like, you idiot. This is, you know, such and such who's a singer TikTok of trap, yeah. trap, electro country rap. And I'm like, I don't know ah. what that is. I'm so old. I don't know what like that when is. Like when you did the MTV so technically we're I don't old. know any of them now. I, yeah, None there's no, those them. things. When did that happen? Integrity went out the window with those things long ah. ago. They gave J-Lo the award for best actress at the movie awards one year because she was the only one who showed ah. up. I digress. We are old. But in the spectrum of life, we're young. Yeah. I do. And we are so lucky to have found, I mean, I'm still kind of looking for mine, but we have found our way to a place where it's like, whoa, cool, let's keep going. So, like, give yourself credit. You don't have to celebrate. You don't have to throw yourself a party. But just, like, sit with when we finish this podcast, which is going to be soon because I've been talking to you for an hour and a half. Just, like, sit with that for a minute of, like, I, Mina Kimes, started here, went here, and now I'm here. And I'm really proud of myself for that. You don't have to brag about it. You don't have to think that makes you better than anybody else because it doesn't. But you did it. And you should be, you should enjoy that moment Mm. a little bit if you can. I think you should. If I could, I might, I might sleep better. <laughs> well, maybe someday. Until then, there's medication. Oh, yeah. It helps. <laughs> Some people, when prescribed properly, yeah. please see a doctor oh, before yeah. taking any medication. That's always been the stance of this podcast. I just want to make that perfectly clear. Sometimes I get so lost in my psychiatry that I'm like, wrap that up. Oh, did you just tell people that they should go take drugs? That's not what I meant. Oh boy. I live in California. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, it's legalizing here, I think. I don't know. It's supposed to. No. Isn't it funny that the last time you did this podcast, you turned to me and you said, they let you put this on ESPN and now it's gotten less ESPN than it even was then? I also revealed that I let not let that sometimes my dog let no you've said it every time you've said let and then you immediately are like that's not what i meant you let slash encourage your dog to eat food directly out of your mouth that is a outrageous misrepresentation of the anecdote which is that sometimes when i'm talking my dog sees the opportunity and then the tongue comes in the mouth i do not put the there's no food in 
it's not that actually maybe it would be better if there was food in my mouth because now it just sounds like my dog's frenching me for no reason yeah it's, your dog is sexually attracted to you you know what he has really soft ears so <laughs> i mean I, i'm not ashamed of um my relationship with my dog Myrtle's upset because because uh, Lenny's name gets to be on the podcast and hers is nowhere near it. And I told her I don't want to go into her head. She also was late. The, you, the podcast existed before she entered your life. Lenny was already in my life That's true. when the podcast came out. That's true. So. How long? How old is Lenny? Um, I don't like to think about this, but I believe nine. Oh, God. sorry. No, I'm I didn't sorry, mean it that I way. I just I no, I meant to reveal something, not to censure you. But I, uh, nine. I think he's nine. But, you know, we don't know because he's adopted. Did you, when did you get, did you get him as a puppy? Uh, he was there. We were told he was three. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So that's also part of the reason why he's so bad. I use that as an excuse. No, that's a good excuse yeah. of like, hey, I didn't teach him. It's nature versus nurture, but I wasn't there at the beginning. So I can't really look every book I read about puppies when I was training Myrtle, because, you know, I had to know everything before I did it. Mm-hmm was like, they used to think that you aren't supposed to train a dog until they're a certain age. You should let them enjoy their puppyhood. But if you don't start training them any later than this certain week of their life, you're, you've lost the ability to train your wow. dog forever. And I was like, wait, what? That's great. And I was getting her in quarantine, and it was like this precious period where they were like, you have to socialize your dog or they're going to be afraid of other dogs. That I was like, I can't socialize with anybody it's a pandemic like this was when we were all actually supposed to be quarantining so i panicked but i say that so that you can genuinely know that if you missed the first three years you are you've been behind the eight ball for the whole game so any good things that he does are the (laughs) uh product of your hard i appreciate that like i listen i've done everything wrong with him like he is the alpha of our house uh, <laughs> he sleeps in my bed all the shit you're supposed to not do with your dog i've just and even in the beginning i was more disciplined but i don't know life's short and if lenny wants to boss me around it is what it is that's right that's the answer i was i'm more strict of the two of us because dan don't tell him i told you is a softy like she'll look at him and he'll be like oh I have to, I have to give her ah, food. She's just yeah. sad. And I'm like, Dan, you're projecting your emotions onto Myrtle. She's not sad. She's looking at you because she's been genetically programmed to know when she looks at you like yes. that, human uh, gives her she has food. eyebrows. So stop. Your dog has eyebrows. Like, that's unfair. I, was, I told Travis, they're on fleek. She has, like, six different ways of positioning her ears. So like, yeah that are all six different types of cute. It's like um, How to Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. Wasn't that the movie where the guy's like, you have eight different types of smile. Like, that's Myrtle. She is, I, she's got these faces, but I know them. And now I can laugh at them and be like, oh, you think that's going to work. But she is on the couch uh, on my back right now. So I broke that rule. I have slept with her in the bed uh, alone because there's no room. My boyfriend's very tall. Uh but when I'm alone, sometimes I'll let her sleep in bed with me, and he's never done that. So I break rules, too. But, you know, she's the best. She's taught me so much about how to love something you can't communicate with. Yeah. Which I think has helped. You didn't save her. She saved you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And it's her birthday this weekend. Ooh. So I'm very excited. She's going to be a year old. Oh, my goodness. God. Can't I remember it. when you got I mean, God, it, it feels like that was mid-quarantine. <laughs> I mean, even I don't even remember 
I wish I did. I should. Everyone's like, when's her gotcha day? I'm like, it was either May or it was August. Mm. <laughs> I don't I remember mine only because it was eight lost to the Chargers that day. Oh God. Well, yeah, so let's wrap it up on that to, to bring us all the way back to the surface where we aren't so deep in revealing things about ourselves. What's going to happen this weekend in football? <laughs> uh, let me get those notes Predict I it. about. Uh, I'm chalk. That's I'm chalk right. this weekend. I got the pack and the Chiefs. But um, if Mahomes is, I would say, less than 80% Mahomes, then I think the Bills can win. Ooh. Yeah. And that would be exciting. It would be. It's not that I need the Chiefs to not win. I'm still excited about Patrick Mahomes. I Which just, is of the four of the, the four teams left? Who do you like? Who do you want to win the most? If you had to choose one, oh, want to win? I'd say probably the Bills. Yeah, I was rooting for the Browns. That didn't work. Um, like but yeah, the Bills. I think. I don't know. I don't care. But I do think it's fascinating to think about if you're a Bills fan. Do you want to get to the Super Bowl unless you're going to win it? Because there's a weird psychology with them. They must have some sort of trauma reflex that, like, if they made it to yeah, the Super Bowl and lost it, it it's like, um, next year, do you even want to make it back again? It's just very I scary. I they got a young quarterback. They'll still feel fine. Okay, I hope uh, so. I just don't want a bunch of people with unprocessed trauma just being like, oh, my God, here it comes again. Yeah. I know. It could be a lot. It could be a lot. could be a lot. could unlock a lot in a lot of people. I accidentally got deep again. I didn't mean to. Football. Chiefs. Packers. Those are Mina's picks. <laughs> Take it to the bank. Uh, is there anything else that you loved in quarantine that you want to share? Or do you think I've tortured you long enough by forcing you to open up and have this conversation? No, I, I'm happy to talk with you. I have shared all of my TV recommendations on Twitter. Um Aside from Halt and Catch Fire, the Patriot counterpart. Um, I don't, I haven't watched any of these. They're great shows. Let me write them down. Let me ask you, how do you feel about MTV's The Challenge? So I'm out of this loop and I'm beginning, I never felt like um, it was a thing that I was excluded from, but increasingly there are people in my life who are challenge fans. Um, I think... I think quarantine, going back and watching old seasons, especially with this new approach to, like, empathy for humans, going back to watch old seasons and watching it to where it's come to now, uh, the way you talk about when you watch football is, I think, how I watch TV. I love producing. I love being like, oh, I know what mm. why they did that. I know what edit they're covering when they do that. Like, I know that that was an ADR line that somebody said in the booth because you can tell that they're not, they're using a shot from the back of their head and you can't see their mouth moving. Like, I can, I love that stuff. I watch it like that. And the challenge, A, the most interesting thing to me about it is it's a reality show that has a recurring cast but is a competition still. And so you get, it's like seasons of sports. Ah, it isn't, but it kind of is because you have teams you know, that you can root for that come you know back. Who gave me this exact take last summer? I will best, I will bet Jacoby. No. It's someone at ESPN. Oh, good. Field Yates. No yeah. way. Zach, he, so I did, I was, I was having people on my, my Mina Kime show, the football podcast, talk about. Uh, well, football, but uh, I was asking them for content recommendations, and he said the challenge, it's like sports for me, me and Chapin, my beautiful new wife. We watch every old season, and I love it. So that's now a thing you guys have in common. 
Yeah, it's crazy because you don't, it's teams, but there's no ownership. So you're genuinely rooting for a person and that person has flaws and you have to decide if that flaw is enough for you to stop rooting for them or if you're going to stay. And then watching a character like CT's, the example I always use, was like this drunk college kid who tried to fight and sleep with everything from the, from the, the real world seasons that he was in it. CT. Yes. <gasps> yep. And now he is this father who loves his son. He is this wiser, older guy who kind of just sits back and like, laughs when people get in fights and he's like oh god this is he's like taking people under his wing and being like here's how the challenge works like it's a complete transformation and it's not a fictional character so you feel so much more more rewarded being like i watched him turn into a person because his girlfriend dm was also on the show changed him and then died tragically and so he had to go through that and he lost his brother and like I don't know this man, but I'm like, that is reality TV at the, it's only good. Like, the, it's only good if it helps you Shit. be a better person instead of messing with you becoming that better person. So anyway, that's why I love the challenge. I'm like super passionate about it. And it's a dumb thing to be passionate mm -hmm. about. But the more I say it, the more no, I think it might you made actually it, you be made it. You saw the hell out of it. And I needed a new, because I'm as I told you, I hate running. So the only way I motivate myself to run is by um, rationing out episodes of like a TV show, like Bridgerton or whatever. Um, and that could be my new <sighs> running show, The Challenge. Yeah, it's good. I think that this season, the current season that's on right now, is one of the seasons that producers do where they're just trying to create a bunch of drama so that the next few seasons they'll have drama to run off of. So this current season, you, the, the rules of the game will confuse you because they're on purpose confusing to create, to sow discord or whatever. But the um, but a couple, I can, let me think of a good season to give you to like go back and watch and start How at. How many have there been? <laughs> Oh, God, like uh, 30, what? 40, wow. 38. Yeah, we went back. We didn't go back all the way because it used to be real world versus road rules, and it was really just a competition show, and now they just take any reality show star and throw them into this mix, and it's it's become something different, so you don't have to go all the way back to the beginning. But I can find you a start point depending on how many seasons you're willing to watch. I would like that. Okay, cool. I'll do that and I'll get back to you. Mina Kimes, thank you so much for taking so much time out of your day to have such a stupid conversation. I truly love you and I really am always rooting for you. Thank you for talking to me. Well, thank you for talking to this map that's standing in for... Yeah, it is weird. I'm looking at a map of Africa. <laughs> but I had a great conversation with it and I'm so happy to have heard its voice. Yeah. Uh, tell the people where they can find you and what you're doing. Are you doing anything in, like big for the Super Bowl or AFC Championship or NFC? Sorry, is this you were talking about... I'm talking to a map of Africa. I just, like, that was my childhood studying for geography bees. Um, <laughs> God, has this sentence ever captured my more? Um, made it the finals, Virginia State. Uh, what? No way! A ton about geography, man. Damn, I'm so bad at it. It's the the thing on Sporkle. It's the category on Sporkle oh, that I never you, do well on. Like, did you do the brain quests? That's those, you know, remember the flip cards that... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is like my dad's thing. He trained me and my brother in geography. So anyways, it's incredible person. Um, so you've always known you were smart? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that's say it. Say it loud and say it proud. I only found out recently. Uh, <laughs> and it took Dan. Dan was like, you know, you're really smart. And I was like, what? what? No, I'm an idiot. And he was like, mm -hmm. um, so I was like, oh, sick. That's I cool. only recently found out that I wasn't hideous, though. So can I? Hell yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I love that. I was like, I was, yeah, I was the person who should have been on the Queen's Gambit <laughs> to bring it really full circle. Oh, shut up. Um, 
the question was where what what I'm a Mina Kam show featuring Len. Where can they find you? <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we're on HQ this week. I don't know when this is coming out. Oh yeah, tomorrow. Um, I'm doing. Yeah. This will be out the same day. Um, okay, great. And then NFL Live. I'm going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> so really, yeah, that's odd. Offline. Where even is Tampa? It? Oh my god, that's right. Oh my yeah, god, Tampa. So um, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. That's exciting. I'm scared now for you, but also excited. Good. I, I I got a face shield and a mask that I've been I've been doing the double. Oh my god, I would pay money to see you in a face uh, shield. I cannot I'll wait send for you to send me a I'll picture. I'll you next time I wear it, yeah. I'll be, I'll, I'll, oh, I can guarantee you this, Katie. I will be the only person in sports television wearing a face shield and a mask in Tampa. It's okay, I appreciate it. At least Tampa's really lovely this time of year. Don't <laughs> stay away from me. hate that city. I hate that city forever. Yeah, we got issues. Except for the Vipers. Go Vipers. Vipe up. <laughs> Get bit. <sighs> okay, I love you. You can go. This is, um, I really hate that I can't see your I face. I know. Sorry. But, I didn't know if you were, like, um, looking for a natural ending point. So I'm going to s- click stop. All right. That's it for this, not week's edition. This week's second edition of, that's it for the second of the week of sports. God, this is a job I get paid to do. Shout out to Quip. And uh, also, you know about First Take, but how about First Take, Her Take, huh? You know about that? It's a brand new podcast hosted by Charlie, Kimberly, and Chanae. They discuss and debate the biggest sports stories, and they delve into topics about their lives and culture. They're awesome. Subscribe, rate, and review First Take, Her Take, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, of course, big thanks to you guys for listening uh, now and then again later, because I think... uh, I don't know, Mina revealed a lot of stuff about herself in there that I'm going to go back and probably listen to this one too. So if I'm going to listen to it, which I don't do, um, you guys can listen to it three times. And if that's asking a lot, well, then just let me know. I'll accept the pushback. But I think um, I, I think you're up to the task. So let's go three times, three different services, Spotify, um, Apple, and Stitcher. Um or you could just leave us a nice review wherever you're listening to this podcast. So again, the way the law works is if you can't do the required three on three different platforms, then you are required to leave one review on one platform. Mostly Apple. Those are the ones I check. Like this one, uh, which came from Fiona PJ on Friday. I don't think I'm supposed to tell you when it happened, but it was from Friday. Uh, and it says, I loved your uh, first Thursday pod with Michael Jr. It was really, uh, it really was like listening to two friends just riffing on life in this weird time. Can't wait to hear who's next after the Katie Solo pod. It's me now. And I have to give a shout out to Travis and Christina for the Tuesday pods. You guys are the best, even though I miss Ashley. So do we. And making uh, my daily walks that much better. Thank you for laughter, insight on sports and life, and helping me get through this weird time. Love you. Mean it. God, you guys are the best. I truly do love you. You're so cool. Um, and don't forget that you can always leave us a voicemail at 860-506-5571. Uh, Trev, are you there with the microphone? Can you say goodbye? Goodbye. Okay, bye. Love you. Mean it. <laughs>